You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to Why I'll Never Make It, a lighthearted podcast that takes a revealing look at a career in the entertainment industry, featuring stories and conversations with those on stage and backstage, on screen and behind the scenes. To keep up with all the guests and episodes, go to the website, winmepodcast.com. There you will find ways to follow and connect via Twitter and Instagram, as well as ways to support and donate to this podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and this is Why I'll Never Make It. Audition, forget about it. Be done. Just totally be done. Don't even really think about it anymore. Um, those kinds of things, they're hard to develop, and you develop them over time naturally, but it's something you want to be conscious of, is being authentically indifferent to the outcome, whether you get it or not, because otherwise you're just going to be exhausted, and you'll be anxious and then depressed, and then anxious and then depressed, and then anxious and then depressed, and that's not sustainable long term. Welcome to the first annual Auditions episode. And this is only part one. Next week, I'll be speaking with a casting director. But in this episode, I'll be sharing stories from those in the audition room, as well as some tidbits of wisdom along the way. Like that first clip you just heard from Glasgow Lyman. He's an actor, a playwright, as well as a licensed therapist in Los Angeles. I had him on the podcast last year talking about his new musical that he co-wrote with Jeff Rosick entitled, We Need This Musical to Stop Us from Killing Ourselves, The Musical. <laughs> it's kind of, a, kind of a mouthful of a title. Glasgow was, was sharing this idea of authentic indifference when I asked him how best to handle auditions, especially those that don't go as well as we hope. And as I was preparing for this episode... I read something on Facebook that I thought you should hear. There was no name attributed to it, just a post by Humans of New York. It reads, I want to be a musical theater actor. I have six auditions tomorrow, five the next day. Everyone says this, but you really do hear no every day. It's not even a no, actually. It's just silence. They never tell you that you didn't get a part. You just hear nothing at all. There's a website called Audition Update where people post if they've gotten a job offer or a callback. It's a way to let everyone else know that they haven't been chosen. I used to be on the site all the time. I kept refreshing the page for each of my auditions, waiting for someone to post about a callback. Then I'd check my email to see if I'd gotten one. All I ever wanted was to finally be able to be the person who was able to post. It was pretty toxic. It made me feel inept. I could actually see the people who were getting all the jobs I wanted, and rejection became this tangible thing. I've stopped going on that site. I'm trying to focus more on the process and less on the outcome. I'm taking all the energy that I put into my phone and putting it into my journal instead. I write things that I love about myself. I write everything I can remember about each audition, who was in the room, what was said, things I did, well, things I could have done differently. But once it's on the paper, I let go of it. It helps me stay in the moment. 
and it helps remind me that the whole reason I'm acting is because I love it. The honesty and vulnerability and the ultimate hope of that post really struck a chord with me. I mean, each of us have to navigate this business in the best way that we can, and and that's what today is going to be all about, sharing and commiserating on auditions, the good, the bad, and the funny. Now, for the past few months during my conversations with guests, I've asked them about their own audition stories. I've saved these tales of, of wonder and woe so I could bring them to you now for the first time. So let's get the ball rolling with my good friend Caitlin Kinnanen, star of The Prom musical currently on Broadway. I asked about her hardest or most memorable audition. Your listeners, I don't know how well you know me. I am not a soprano. Like, I'm just not. But you have a beautiful voice that goes up there. Totally. But, like, head voice is something that, like, doesn't exist for me. It's, like, a belt or a mix. That's what you get. (laughs) And it just stops at a certain point. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, prom does a very good job of showcasing it very well. But, (laughs) um, so I had worked with this director in a reading, and he was doing a production of Light in the Piazza. And he was like, will you come in for Clara? And I was like, No. I will not. And he was like, please just come and audition for Clara. And I was like... Because that's a true soprano. Oh, my God. Fine. So I, like, worked so hard to, like, figure out a soprano. And it, like, sounded okay. It wasn't the best. It was, like, pretty meek. But, like, sounded good. Just just quiet. Um, And I, like, go and sing the song for him. And he was like, "Um, yeah, so, like, can you do it like Caitlin now, though? And can you, like, belt it? And I was like... I mean, I can tr- try, but, like, that's a hot, like, it's those are some note. G's yeah. up in there. Yeah, she's up there. Um, So, like, on top of that, I had a cold, and so, like, See, <laughs> it wasn't just, good anyway. It just never helps. And then I, like, oh, had gosh. to try to, like, belt light in the piazza. Which, which, which it it's was, not a belting no. show anyway. So that was, like, really bad. And I, like, walked out of that audition room, and, like, of course, there were, like, a thousand people in the waiting room just, like, staring at me, like, what? the fuck did you just do? And I was like, it was not my choice. I did not do that on purpose. Carrie, you have a visitor at the stage door. Carrie? Joys of being in a dressing room. Right, right. Um, You never never who's going to visit. at the stage door. Um, But yeah, so like, that was a horrible one. Um, What's another good one? Oh, wait, no, I remember my worst audition Here we go, here we go. Oh, um, okay, so it was for a TV show that was supposed to be like a Glee spinoff. I'm not really sure what they were going for. It didn't make sense to me at the time. I've never seen it on the air, so like... Maybe it didn't make sense to I them I don't think either. it made it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so bad. So for the audition, they like gave us sides, and then they asked us to either sing Rebecca Black's Friday or um, a song from Guys and Dolls. Just like okay, okay. The, yeah, random, okay. totally random. So like, I thought it would be easier to sing Rebecca Black's Friday. I was so wrong. <laughs> um, so I like learned it and whatever. First of all, I get to that audition and they change the sides on, on us. They're like, we're not reading the sides that you just spent a week learning. Here are our new sides, which I'm like, come like, on, yeah, who horrible does that? people do that. Yeah. Um, but again, a joy of auditioning. Um, so I get in the room, I like cold read these sides and then they're like, okay, can you sing one of the songs we gave you? And I was like, I chose Rebecca Black's Friday. Um, 
I legit started that song over four times because I would like start it and I was like, Friday, Friday, gotta get down. Right. I'm sorry. Let me let me just uh, take that again. Mm-hmm. Friday, mm-hmm. Friday, gotta get down. One more time. Four so, times. So so you four do you not have the music times. in front of you? No, because they were just like learn this song. But it's like not an audition. The recording. Bring, they bring didn't. The... Yeah. No. Uh, it wasn't a thing. There are people who want to go into auditions with it memorized, and so you know, so they don't yeah. have to have the 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 sides in their hands. Oh, so, see, I am not that person. I always have the sides right, in my hands. Right. Me too. Even however, like, but like, they didn't provide us with the sheet music for oh. Rebecca Black's Friday. Oh, it truly was just like an. Acapella, oh, they literally like, like go listen on your iP- yeah, iPhone to yeah. to the song and come sing it for us. Yeah, so like that was maybe my worst audition, <laughs> maybe their fault, but like oh, we're we're gonna one hundred percent blame them because they didn't give you the music. They threw sides at you twenty minutes yeah. before the room. Yeah. Also, like audition that I thought was a horrible audition that actually ended up really well. Um, I was recovering from mono, which like really took me out. Like Hello. mono, yeah. I was. I was not okay. Um, so I had mono, and I had found out that I had mono through getting um, tonsillitis that was so bad that it, like, my tonsils were so swollen that it was pushing my tongue out of place. So oh I, like, had a speech impediment for a while. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow. And so, like, had mono. So, like, I couldn't yeah, walk a trouble. block without taking, like, a 30-minute nap. It was horrible. And <laughs> that's how I auditioned for Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's just like sick out of my mind. I did my final callback for that and had to be um, rushed to an emergency ultrasound for my spleen because it was so enlarged that it was like throbbing and they thought it was going to burst. This was after the audition? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like, just know that like sometimes when you <clears throat> think your body is failing you and it is failing you and you think you've had like a really shit audition, sometimes... It's not yeah. that bad. Yeah. And people like you anyway. It's not your spleen rupturing. No. So so you'll make it. Yeah. You'll get through. It was great. Oh, my gosh. Just like a little balance for you. Yeah. That's my favorite audition No, no, story. no, no. To me, that's good. The fact that after an audition, you have to go to the emergency room because your spleen's like, about Like, I literally, to, like, like went and I, like, met my mom at a coffee shop and we were sitting there and I was like, my side like is throbbing and at that point i didn't know where my spleen was i didn't know that was a thing yeah but apparently when you have mono it can enlarge your spleen to the right because it's taken in all that crap yeah Ooh. yeah but it didn't it didn't you were fine got it you still got your spleen also your spleen is on your left side for those of you you who don't know yeah yeah right right under your ribs so it's still doing its job still going (laughs) (laughs) hasn't throbbed in a while it's good And speaking of bodily functions getting in the way of our auditions, Amy Marie Stewart, creator of TheoryWorks, shares her own version of the now infamous Poopgate at Pearl Studios. So for those of you who don't know, at at a Magic Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. it was Magic Mike. It was a Magic Mike ECC chorus call audition, and Uh I think this was for the dancer call. Mm -hmm. In the room... I believe the monitor mm-hmm. or someone stepped in a yeah. pile of poop that was in yeah. the corner of the room. And so then it's like, then the big where question is, where did it come from? And I think <laughs> the conclusion eventually was that it was a service dog. And so I actually have to kind of wonder, this is where the story is going, by the way. You're probably going like, what? Why are you bringing this up? 
So I have to wonder if it's the same service dog that was three or so years ago, I want to say, where a creative team member who was there auditioning actors for the day brought in her dog. And in the middle of like this very intense, you know, set of sides that had a lot of high notes, it was very classically oriented, um, sort of a, a Phantom of the Opera style kind of thing. The dog wandered into the middle of the room and did actually oh <laughs> start, God. you know, kind of d- taking liberties of, you know, in the middle of the audition. The dog was critiquing the audition, basically. Yeah, you know, it did feel that way. I did feel a little personally offended. I was like, or maybe he just felt so free, you know, that like this right. was this was You gave the him moment. a safe space to be I like, did. the room is yours. The room is yours. Take the space, my what, friend. That, yeah. So... <laughs> So the dog just walks into the middle of yeah. the and obviously starts to hunch and, over as and they do. Just starts did, and did everyone start to be like, no, no? Or- yeah, a little bit. And so, but I kept going, and it was to attract too, which was like extra awkward. So oh, it's not like there was an accompaniment yeah. that was gonna like was gonna stop. So when I heard the story this past week, I'm like, it must like the first thing I thought was like service dog, right. and probably the same one. Maybe because this was also Pearl Studios. It was a while ago, but yeah, yeah that that's that's the first one that, that comes to is mind. Cra- I know, I know, and, yeah. and and that's that's a story you're not going to forget. You never forget that. No, no, no. you never do. I'm, I mean, I've I'm trying to think back to any auditions I've had where there were animals in the room. I, that was the only one where I'd never seen an animal in the room before. Right. I, I can't think of, of, of a service animal or any just, like, right. pet. And this no. was probably, to be honest with you, like, not a service animal. Because service animals are trained not to do that. Right. An actual service animal. Exactly. It's yeah, probably, you know, an emotional support or, like, a buddy for the day kind of situation. Or, like, doggy daycare was closed and so yeah. they, brought, they brought their dog in. I don't know about you, but I keep a bucket list of all the shows and the roles that I want to do one day. Now, some of the ones on my list have already been checked off the list, like doing Don Quixote and Man of La Mancha and working at the Orlando Shakespeare Theater, while others have yet to come to pass, like Billy Flynn in Chicago and Richard Henne in 39 Steps. My friend and dancer Tovey Wayne came to New York with one show, at the top of his own bucket list. Newsies for a lot of male dancers was a big, big start for like everyone's, every male dancer's kind of dream. And if you talk to any male dancer, like a lot of my friends that I've talked to who are uh, male dancers, they always say like, yep, Newsies, like Newsies, Newsies, Newsies. Because just to see all these boys on stage doing like this masculine movement and this really athletic stuff just kind of, um, you know, drove us to want to do that and be there. So I first auditioned in Los Angeles for the part of Crutchy. Which, um, you know, the, how do you say it? Not the underdog, but the runt of the pack. So right, I went yeah. in for that and then... He's the one everyone roots for. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah crutchy, yeah. Um, so I auditioned for that and then got the call back to go to New York. And I was like, okay, I'm cool with that. And But my dance teacher in high school, um, she, I love her, Marie Hoffman. She just tells me as it is straight up. And she goes, all right, Toby, listen, I don't know if you've seen the show, but there's people that audition for that that are amazing dancers that haven't gotten in. So you got to step your stuff up otherwise... I mean, you went for it. Anyway, so I went for it, got into the call, and immediately people were, like, stretching in the room, doing their half splits, like, you know, kicking their face. And I'm literally sitting there twiddling my damn thumbs, like, just, what am I doing? Like, really just kind of, like, okay. I mean, I'm here, so I got to yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, sure enough, went in, my first dance call in the world, they just knocked out this crazy, like, you know, 
uh, double pirouette and to double tour and to kick your face and to come around and to side leap and to all this crazy stuff. And I would do the movement, did not look enthusiastic about it because I didn't know what I was doing. And right. Then, you're, you're just trying to keep up. Trying to keep up. Yeah. yeah. And that feeling that way, I mean, I didn't know how I felt in the moment because I, I kind of forget, but knowing that I wasn't doing my best really made me want to never feel that way again, mm. especially in a room like that. So Dance came second in my life. And at one point, I didn't want to do it. But I think in that call... Maybe because of Newsies? You, no, you just maybe, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it came to a point after high school where, you know, I did the thing I applied for schools and, um, you know, just did the Unifieds where you auditioned for people. And um, at one point, I did it Unified and didn't get into the school. And the director basically said, like, oh, we just didn't have it in him. And I at that point, I honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just hmm. did it because it's what I've been used to. But didn't feel the passion yet. And I think Newsies and having that feeling and it made me for the first time really be like, I want to do better at this. Hmm. And that really moved me forward. Fellow podcaster and actor Ilana Levine talks with artists each week about their careers on her own podcast, Little Known Facts. She came on this show and shared how she deals with the stress that comes with auditioning. So I was just thinking the other day, like, oh my God, how long have I been doing this? And I'm still feeling like I have to like give myself emotional rewards. Like, okay, you're going to go to Telsey's office. And that's a, a New York City casting director. And then as soon as we're done, we're going to like go to H&M and we're going to get a shirt. <laughs> so just go in. The smallest get, thing. Yes, it's like I give, I literally like 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 um a, a child actor who doesn't want to do it, and the mother's like, "I'll buy you a lollipop if you just do it." Like we'll literally, go get pizza after. it's all going to be over in ten minutes. Like all all I'm asking you to do, Alana. I literally talk to myself in third person. Like I'm just going to ask you to go in. We're going to do it. We're going to go out. Like literally. I've been doing the same things, but I remember early on, there's, there's a guy named Fisher Stevens who was like a, you know, worked all the time when I was first starting and now he's producing extraordinary films. Um, and I remember, I guess it was Fisher who told me like every time he walked into the room, he pretended that he was about to go on Letterman. Like when he, that energy, mm. like I'm going on Letterman and uh, I'm going to tell Letterman about this movie I just did. And I'm going to just tell him the scene. Like he just would come, you know, and I was yeah. like, wow. And I tried that a couple of times. And I was like, all right, not that's not my thing. <laughs> but there was something about like whatever you need to do, obviously you need to prepare and know your lines and warm up vocally if you're about but, to sing. But, but, but there is that emotional yeah. element, which I think what he was trying to tap into with He's that. like, I, I'm the star. I'm going in on Letterman and I'm just telling them about this play called... The Adams family. Right. Right. And I thought it's just so funny, like, whatever works, whatever works. And there's been elements of all sorts of things like that that I've used to, you know, psych myself up for the experience from that to, you know, um, thinking of it as a rehearsal. Right. Yeah. Right. Rather right. like the, the thing that I remember, I think my friend Talia Balsam just said it and she's someone, her mom is Joyce Van Patten and her father was Martin Balsam. Like she, Dick Van Patten and is her uncle and yeah. Tim Van Patten, you know, all these people, unlike my accounting family, she comes <laughs> from a, and it really was like, you're just going in and giving them your take on it. So there's no right or wrong. 
It's just... Which, which is so important because we as actors think there's only one right. Right. And, and we have to go in and deliver that or we've messed up. you can't guess what it is. I know. Yeah, there's no way. I was just at a thing yesterday with where Brian Stokes Mitchell told a story about literally the person who got it fit into the costume of the person they were replacing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. There's no way the 25 actresses who went in that day had any idea that they were immediately non-candidates because of their height or their weight. Like, just things they had zero control over. Yeah. Now, would it have been nice if the breakdown said 5, 6, 120, you know? Must be. Right, yes. and obviously they can't do that. But they don't know that they didn't get it because literally they wouldn't fit the costume. So there's so many things that we don't know, yeah. which is why... All you can do is what I do, which is, and this is, I'm sorry to say, I am a recycler, but I literally put my sides, like I throw them away the minute. You, like, you, you toss them. <laughs> the yeah. Yeah. It's done. I did it. It felt great. I just shot the scene and now I'm done. And if they yeah. want me to come do it again, I'll print it you again. Print it and I feel again. awful just from an environmental perspective, but psychologically, nothing makes me happier than to have to reprint the size. No, there is something to be said for kind of cleansing yourself, for for putting like, okay, stop, that's pushed aside, I did my moving work. on. Yeah, yeah, I did it. Yeah, yeah, because I, I took a class with uh, Joanna Gleason, mm -hmm. and one of the the nuggets that I took from that was that she said, you're going to have crappy auditions, and so give yourself 20 minutes to beat yourself up, to say horrible things, to be like, what the, you know, and... Go through that and then be done. Set a timer. Right, right. Like you have 20 minutes to just like be sad, be angry, be disappointed, and then, then you're done. Get on with your day. Well, that is easier said than done. <laughs> Much easier. But what a great thing to aspire to. Yeah, it is something. Because, I love her. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but there's still like that audition three years ago that some random thing will pop it into my brain and be like, oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. I, I, I didn't get that because I, I, I messed up in there. And then you replay, you remember that whole audition and what you did wrong. And But the thing that's so awesome is that, you know, I mean, I feel like at this point, I'll have a conversation with that person who I auditioned for. And they're like, oh, my God, you were amazing. We already had an offer out. Like, you're like, <laughs> oh, oh. Sarah Jessica, but oh, okay. So, so that thing uh, that you've been holding on to, like, by the way, you were amazing. And, and you know, like, I've now produced enough and directed enough where I've had the um, experience of being on the other side of the table. And I will see someone beating themselves up, or you see that moment where they think they've the, not accomplished right, what they set failing. out to do. Yeah. By the way, they weren't. They weren't until they told me they were, right? Like, I actually thought they were amazing. I don't know what they had expected of themselves. And so that's the other thing I learned from having the great... By the way, be readers. Whoever's listening, if you ever get a chance to be a reader in an audition, I did that early on a lot. It was the most illuminating because it really is about coming in with an openness. Look... Sometimes you get the thing on Tuesday and you're only so prepared for Wednesday, right? right. Like life exactly. happens. Yeah. We all know that. So don't come in and start telling everybody like, I just got it. Guess what? Everybody just got it. Right. We know. We emailed <laughs> we it know. to you. We, we remember. Just got, we as casting directors just got the <laughs> script too. We're frustrated. Yeah. Right. But like, 
there really is this amazing thing you see where everyone is kind of amazing until they decide they're not. And that changes and shifts like the whole energy of the room. So I have certainly learned whatever's going on inside of me, do not share that with anyone. I've I've had two auditions where where, the, where that happened. And it and it, it really is. It like demoralizes you, but I can only imagine what it does to the person behind the table. Because, you know, yeah, we're all not going to be 100% every day. But at the same time, just do it, even your 80%, and then get out. Yeah. I don't need to comment. Nope. I actually said shit in an audition one time because I, I messed up the side. Right. And, and then the director, Warren Carlyle, had me do it over again. And I was just like, I mean, I, I look back at that. I'm going, what was the matter with me? But that's the other <laughs> thing. Like what you were, you were just being a human being. Yeah. That's all. And you know what? That human being at that moment at that time was bummed out that something he'd worked really hard on, that you flubbed the line. Yeah. You were bummed yeah. about that. What are you going to do? <laughs> Nothing. Right, right. Except remember it four years later and be like, I said shit at the thing. I know. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. If I ever meet him again, he'll be like, for Nothing. him, he won't remember it all. No. It's, it's... What if he does? He's like, I remember you. Yes. You cursed. Right. <laughs> remember you said <laughs> You would have gotten it, except you said that <laughs> Until one you said word. Shit, I know. And then I couldn't. <laughs> it's all so stupid, isn't it? It's so stupid. One of the things I'd like to go back and tell a younger version of me would be that you're a problem solver, so you should walk in feeling that way. Um, We really do want you to be good, and you know, that gets said all the time. It's really true, because somebody has to be good so the job gets done, because we don't want to do another session, because that costs time and money, and that costs the producer time and money, and it is a monetized environment now. It's not just about the art in your heart anymore, it's really about monetizing that and turning it into a product and that means there's a budget involved so you know do well and you're going to solve the problem so own that be, be and, and the by quicker that. you solve that problem the better yeah yeah and yeah. trust the process a little bit more like we want to solve the problem so if you are the solution i promise you we will make sure <laughs> you get in front of yeah. them you yeah know? but if you're not trust that too that was scott wochick and gail c of wochick c casting They started off season two of Why I'll Never Make It by giving their own advice and insights into what they see behind the table. They focus mostly on theater, from off-Broadway and national tours to regional theaters. So next week, I'll be sharing my conversation with John Ort, a casting director that handles mostly television shows like Bull on CBS and Ozarks on Netflix. At one point, though, he mentioned what good actors do in the audition room. And so I asked him, what is the difference that he sees between good actors and not so good ones? I think one of, one of the biggest is, is how, are, how people are preparing. And, you know, when, when someone, right, is, is less experienced or, or green, you know, um, sometimes they don't, they don't realize how prepared they're expected to be. And so that's when the pages become a safety net and so then they're in the page and they're they're nervous and they're you know also understanding uh, while you're preparing to to really try to figure out again how, how much can you do with what's 
you know, with, with that scene, uh, in terms of, can you show a little humor? Can you show a little vulnerability? Can you show different things Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't just become, I'm going to come in, I'm going to just basically do exactly what's on the page and give, give one, one basic note of what, what it is. I think the, the, the actors when, you know, we're talking about recurring or series regulars or some of these big guest stars, um, you know, the actors, that are coming in super prepared. And because of that, there's just confidence mm-hmm. in what they're doing. You know, there's no question of, am I right or wrong? It's just, I'm coming in and I'm going to interpret it the way I see it. And I love doing this. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's the energy that's in the room. That's It's exciting. And when people are bringing different colors to it, you know, that's when you have those moments of, oh, wow, I've never even heard that scene before. I just heard it 50 times, but wow, they really, things popped out that I just didn't, hadn't even heard. And that's, that's coming because they're so prepared because they really took the time to mine that material and figure out what each moment was really about. Earlier this year, digital marketing guru, Tony Howell, talked about how we can best present ourselves online and promote our true selves to the world. But that strategy also works in the audition room. Whenever I interviewed Wojcik and C, they said the exact same thing, that each actor that comes into the room is is a problem solver. Did they solve the problem or not? And that's really all it comes down to. It, 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 it almost, almost has nothing to do with their ability per se. It's just like, do you fit what we're trying to cast at this particular time. And Patrick, if they're finding actor after actor trying to fit the mold, then someone who comes in and does their own thing and puts some stank on it mm-hmm. is going to stand out. True. Because there's something else business-wise that I, I want to say is it's really hard to compete to be the best. If you are the best dancer, the best singer, the best whatever, you have so much, much work to do and to maintain that position as being the best. What's easier or perhaps smarter for your health is to work to be different so that no one else does it the way that you do. It's just a, it's a thing in business of like, I could fight really hard to be the best website designer, or I could just say I'm different because I work with artists and I'm specialized in this area. Hmm. So apply that how you will, but it's always good to really differentiate yourself and highlight your unique strengths and own that. And I also just want to throw in, I have a celebrity client and it was a discovery. He was actually my first that he says, you know, I don't, sometimes I don't work as frequently, but when I do work, they're big projects. So bringing that awareness, there's a balance there for artists of deciding if you're someone who just wants to work all the time, or if you're, if you have a artistic bottom line or a financial bottom line or a recognition bottom line or whatever it may be, you're deciding factors that you know that like only this, this type of project works for me as a collaborator. Learning from each audition is part of the job of every actor, especially the ones we don't book. And that reminds me of a tweet that I saw by an English actor named Michael Gibson. This is what he posted. A three-month process of auditions for a life-changing job and you wait, knowing you know you've been shortlisted. Today, I get the call saying the role is on offer to someone else. This is what makes us actors. We cope with the rejection. Onwards and upwards. Hang in there, guys. That's exactly what we have to do. Just like that post from 
the one humans in New York. Rejection or no, or sometimes just the silence of it, is a big part of what we have to deal with as actors. Now, in this next clip, I shared my own audition mishap with Kelly Gable. She's the founder of Triple Threat Therapy. Like Glasgow, she also lives in Los Angeles. <laughs> I guess they need a lot of therapy out there. <laughs> but honestly, we all need help when it comes to having the right mindset for preparing for auditions as well as dealing with that eventual letdown. I had a horrible audition yesterday. Okay. It was, it, it was horrible. So the first part of the day in the morning, I had a sides audition, went great. I was very happy with that audition. Then I had a second audition. And in that one, it was basically a speech and I, I had it memorized fairly well, but I, I basically had just like drilled it and tried to memorize the speech so, to make it sound conversational. And so I went in and, and, you know, and he started the videotape and I, and I did the speech. I think I may have bobbled one word, but, but pretty much did what I wanted to with the speech. Then he said, all right, now just talk. You kind of know the speech, you know, use some of it, but now, but now just talk about it. Like not, not memorized, not, not what you had on the page. Now just talk about it and, and show your personality. Right. I literally, I, now I'm a person who thinks I'm good on my feet. You know, if I'm in a, you know, like an audience participation kind of interaction setting, I feel like I can kind of roll with the punches and be good in that setting. I didn't know what was coming out. There was one point at which I said the wrong word and then I kind of smiled and, and went to correct the word and said it again. <laughs> that was how I corrected the word by saying it again. And yeah. so it was just one of those kind of auditions where nothing, it's like I couldn't string together a complete sentence if I tried. <laughs> yeah. And I basically just, I, even when it was done, even when it was done, I was like, we can do that again if you want. He's like, no, I think we got it. <laughs> Yeah. 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 You got it. Yeah, yeah. You got it. All right. You got the <laughs> fact that I am not the person for this job. Right. So, it, it, and so of course that was my last audition of the day. And so that's what I had to go to bed with. Was Right. With, right. Yeah. I mean, you can, there's a fine line again between preparing and over-preparing, right? I mean, you want to be prepared and there's nothing wrong with being mostly memorized on sides and stuff like that, but you can be too memorized <laughs> on something definitely. So, um, you know, and just, just overthinking in general, I mean, the second that we get so nitty, you know, nitpicky about exactly how we're going to do anything, it does throw a wrench in things when they eventually ask for something different. Mm -hmm. you know? So you have to have some level of freedom in it and, um, you know, organic movement or speech or, you know, even with like, when I sing, um, when I sing something, I, I, I don't even always sing it the exact same way. My rhythm might be different in the audition than it was before because I'm trying to feel it in the moment. And the the energy what you're getting from them in the room might change how I'm feeling it. You know, I mean I trying not to do it because you think they want it, right? But if they have said something, whether it's a direction or anything, said said anything that has changed what I'm thinking, I need to have that freedom to change up the conversation that I'm having. And, and that's challenging too, especially if maybe singing is secondary to you, to dancing or acting or something like that, because it's not natural to play. At that point, you're going to sing it exactly the same way every single time, because that's how you learned it. Right. And it's very hard to allow for that freedom. So, um, 
yeah, I, I can understand what you're, <laughs> what you're saying there. Not, not something I would want to have to leave, you know, end my day with as far as auditions go, but, but I, I get what you're saying, but it's also, you know, you're able to laugh at it now. And I think that's good because it was well, only yesterday. the next day, the oh. next day. Yes. I can sure, laugh. At sure. Yeah. But I mean, some people that would mess them up for months. You know, they would just feel like, ugh, you know, I, and then they would be like, okay, so now I need to go to improv classes and I need to fix my ability to, it's like, no, it's okay. Learn from it, you know? Yeah, because it's interesting that there are those auditions where, you know, I, you know, we all have, have auditions that aren't our best. We all have days that just aren't our best. You know, it yeah. just didn't go how we wanted it to go. And a lot of times that's just, that was that day or, oh, you know what, I, I've, I had something crappy happen and I brought that into the room. I shouldn't have done that or, or what we, we kind of can recognize, okay, that, that just wasn't my best. And, and, and I know that that's not indicative. Then there are those other auditions. And yesterday was one of those where I actually thought, now, am I not good at this anymore? Can I not improv? Am I not good on my feet? Like I thought I was. I, I started going through all these, am I not good enough anymore? Mm-hmm. kind of kind of voices and conversations with myself. So it 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 did st- I did start to kind of go down that path of okay, now I need to fix everything because I suck again. Right. Right. And and that's that is going to be a knee-jerk reaction I think most of the time. It's how much you let that reaction take hold and you clearly have not. And that that's a good thing because I'm sure that I mean, whatever it was that just created that in that moment. I mean, sometimes it's even just if it's something that you, um, sounds silly, but something that you really think you're right for, sometimes we will sabotage ourselves in that moment because we think, I am so right for this. I can definitely do this. And so then we overthink our initial performance. And when something changes, we we can't let go of what we did because we think that what we did was exactly what they actually want to, you know, so sometimes we can actually really self-sabotage by, you know, wanting something too much. Yeah. Because this is definitely one of those where I, I was right for the role. It was a spokesperson for this, for this product, you know, to be on a commercial line that would have had many different, you know, variations of it. And so it would have been mm-hmm. ongoing work. And I was like, yes, I could totally do this and book work all the time. So I, I yeah. went into it with that expectation. And it's, it's a lot of extra pressure. And I think that's where for someone like me, where I'm at the point now where, you know, my, my goals for being in, you know, on stage and in theater are not, maybe not so lofty. Right. And so I, I don't have the same level of pressure I feel in most of my auditions. Also the fact that, you know, me deciding whether or not to go to an audition because I don't want to drive there. <laughs> right? It, when you, when you get to that place, regardless of, of, you know, your goals and whatever, when, when that's the place that your brain is at when it comes to auditions, there's a certain level of pressure that releases off of all of them. And it definitely helps. Um, because then, yeah, I mean, I may be so right for something, but I can always tell myself, and, and this is something that, um, sometimes I coach in as well, just because it's, it's a a learned skill, I think to a certain extent, but, when I'm, when I have an audition that I really, really want, because maybe it's a role that I just have wanted to play and the show just doesn't come up very often. So it's, I start to feel that like, oh, this is my chance to play this role because by the time it comes around again, I'm going to be too old or whatever. Right. When I start to feel that pressure building up, what I like to do going into the audition is give myself at least one thing 
that is better in my life if I don't get it, right? Hmm. Going into so that I can say, for example, you know, oh, I really want to play that role. But if I don't get this role, then, you know, you'll be able to tell right now that I really hate commuting in LA because most of the time it will be, if I don't get this role, I won't have to drive on the 405 every night for the next three months. And I will be able to spend more time at home, whatever. I will give myself that mental out before I go in to be okay with not getting it and have a legitimate benefit on the other side of the fence. You know, being aware of those trade-offs like we were talking about before. You may get a tour and a tour is wonderful, but then what trade-off is it having in your personal life? It's not necessarily bad, right? You may want the tour aspect of it more than what you're missing out on in your personal life. And that's fine. But allowing yourself to to recognize those trade-offs so that if the tour doesn't happen, you can enjoy what you get now in your personal life because you didn't get the tour. It takes some of the pressure off when you go into the room because you don't have to get it. You don't have to get it. And that that right there is, I mean, it's so difficult to do in some cases, but it's the key to auditioning well, I think. You know, it's the same thing about, you know, uh, in just relationships in general. When you go into a first date scenario, like, I ha- this has to be the person because I'm already 30 and I have to be married by the time I'm 30. When you put that pressure and that level of desperation into any scenario, you're pretty much telling yourself it's not going to happen because you, you've just, you've messed it all up you've added this this energy of desperation that is not attractive to anyone. And so they're going to feel that off of you and it's going to instantly make them less interested in you before you've done whatever it is that you're doing. So finding a way that works for yourself, you know, for me, it's the, the recognizing the trade-off and really being aware of that. For other people, it might be different. But for me, that really takes that pressure off and allows me to not feel that desperation in the room. And I think, you know, and it, it just shows in, in your example, you, you had a little bit of that, maybe not desperation, but just that feeling of, you know, I need to nail this because I should be getting this part. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, and you it was mine to lose, in other words. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you put this level of pressure on yourself that didn't exist anywhere but in your own mind. And the second you do that, you start to self-sabotage a little bit just naturally, you know. So, I mean it's a it's a balance it's a balance because you want you want to want it if you don't want it you shouldn't be there so you know you you definitely want to allow yourself to want it and let that energy be in the room too but want it not need it and i think that's the difference and now i have saved the best or at least the funniest audition story for last My good friend Lothair Eaton and I first met while doing a national commercial for Aflac. We became fast friends, and last month he sat down with me to talk about his work as an actor, a singer, and a teacher. And that episode will actually be coming out in a couple of weeks. Now, though I met him as a commercial actor, Lothair is a star and veteran of the Andrew Lloyd Webber mega-musical Starlight Express. Having done thousands of performances on tour and in Germany, 
But his journey to finally being cast was not easy nor quick, but it certainly was hilarious. So, Lothair, tell me about your audition for getting into Starlight Express. Ah, oh, now that's a story. I bet. <laughs> you ever watch, watch Lucille Ball? Uh, right. Mm, it was it was straight up an uh, episode of Lucille Ball. So, this was back in, in like 80, when I first auditioned for them, like 89. This was back when 890 was an audition spot. And so, remember, they had the long hallways and I'm never late for an audition. Never. And I was like five or ten minutes late. They had started. I was like, crap. So, so, I, so this was like a group audition. Yes, this first. was a group audition. Okay. And back in the day, they actually started you on wheels. So they were dancer skater folk that were in that audition. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So um I I knock on the door, I come in, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm late, I'm never late. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. They're teaching this combination. And so they get gave me this pair of skates. They're like, don't worry about it. Just put these skates on, go in the hallway, and we'll call you back in a little bit. I was like, okay. So I put myself down. Child, I put these skates on, and like I say, long hallways. So I'm just like, wee, just like going up and down the hallway, bouncing off the ones, you know, doing things. And I had some friends at other auditions. I'm like, hey, child, how you doing? Look at me. So the door opens, and they're like, Lothair, come in. They had made a cut. And they're like, why don't, we want you, why don't you go ahead and learn this dance combination with the dancers? I was like, okay. With your skates on. Oh, yes, child. Oh, with goodness. the skates on. I, mean, I like, couldn't skate. Like, I, like a dance call is tough enough. Tough. And then put wheels on. <laughs> put wheels on. Oh. But these children were skating. They could do it. These right, were these, they, they could do it. But here I was. So think you come in. Think it's a rectangular room. The the mirrors is, is along the long part of the rectangle. Table is at the short part of the rectangle by the door. So I placed myself in the back corner. <laughs> Farthest away. Farthest away. <laughs> but I could kind of see a little bit. So I, you know, I, I was trying to learn it. And my whole thing was smile and don't fall. Those are my right. two rules. Right. Don't fall. So I'm giving lots of jazz hands, big old teeth. And when they jump high and go down to the ground and spin and whatever, I literally would jump like, half a millimeter off the ground <laughs> and to be like, okay, made it through that one. Okay. So once they teach it, then I'm like, great. Okay. I'm okay. Then they're like, okay, now turn away from the mirror and do it for them. But when we turned away from the mirror, who was in front? Mm-hmm. Hello. Ding, 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 ding. I was like, oh crap. Okay. So oh, here we go. Gosh. I kind of got through it. They said it in two groups. I did what I could. I jumped my half a millimeter Smile song. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. And then they're like, made a cut. And they kept me. And I was like, okay, these children really want to hear me sing. Or they were looking at someone else. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It wasn't about my skating ability, clearly. And so they're like, okay, we want you people to stay um, to sing for us. I was like, great. But keep your skates on. (laughs) I was like... You had to really? sing in the scene? Really? Okay. Oh. So then I go out oh my goodness. <laughs> into the hallway. I'm like, is she serious? Are they serious? Waited my turn. Like you do. I was just like, well, there. What can you do? All you can do is go and have fun and be professional. Be professional like you know what you're doing. That's right. Because that's what we do. We're sellers, mm-hmm. uh, actors. We know what we're doing. Okay, so the door opens. And there's that table. And along uh, on the wall across the way is where the piano is. 
So I'll have roll. <laughs> I'm rolling. I'm like, how you doing? I know what I'm doing. And I roll and I'm like, oh, here comes the piano. Here comes the piano. Here comes the piano. Boom. I couldn't stop and I ran into the wall. <laughs> now, <laughs> what do you do when one runs into a wall? Um, but <laughs> I could hear them snickering. <laughs> they were trying not to laugh. But I turned around over my shoulder was like, whoops. <laughs> whoopsie you know so I kind of turn myself around and I go to the pianist and you know rock song how many rock songs did I have not a whole lot right but I had heaven on their minds oh my so goodness so I gave it to him mm-hmm. I was like here we're gonna start from here at this tempo so <laughs> as soon as I gave it to him and started to turn away he was like bum 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 he started the vamp okay and I'm like well, child, you better keep vamping because I got to get to the middle of the room. <laughs> right. You know, right. it's not like I'm going to be there in half a second. So I finally get to the middle of the room. Boom, 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 boom. So turn around. <laughs> I'm like, here we go. My mind is clear. You know, I started. Well, what I didn't quite realize was that the floor in that room at 890 clearly was not fully level. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, it's Jesus. She said, well, I was like getting closer and closer. And that high note was getting closer and closer. And I was like, I'm not going to be right in front of these people screaming, Jesus. So, so, so you've been slowly up inching closer and closer to them. I'm like, oh, crap. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I literally put my arms like a Wonder Woman pose. And I put one toe stop down. And I was like, Jesus, you started to believe the things that sell you. And I, I gave attitude just like that right. with my toe stop. Uh-huh. And I was, with your toe, <laughs> your hands. Oh, my goodness. I didn't, know, I, I didn't know what to do with my arms. And I just like, don't fall. Right. Do right. not fall and do not end up right in front of these people's right. and faces. And do not hit their table. <laughs> do please. not hit the table. You've already hit the wall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so that was my very, very first Starlight audition. Now, did you make that first do, one? Do you know what? They that was they called me back. They sent me to see the show, actually. Oh, okay. They got me a ticket. And... um. I did not get cast that time. But then every time, bless every time they came to town, they'd call me in. And and I would do the same thing. I'd roll, they'd have me roll around in circles. In in a circle to see just how my skating was. Like has I'm gonna it, take lessons. Better? Like I'm gonna start taking lessons and spend the money. And you know, young actor, spend right. money on skate lessons on when I don't know skates? if I'm gonna yeah. get the gig. So I, I have to I have to admit I didn't. And um and each time they came and I did two songs. I did Papa's um uh, Papa's Blues and um Sequence, the mm-hmm. Starlight Sequence. Okay. Were the two songs. And several, this a couple times, and they they'd see me, and they're like so lovely, lovely every time, and not cast me. And then for the last time, uh, which I said, that's it. People go, don't don't get a chip on your shoulder too much. Even if you have ninety million callbacks, do your ninety million callbacks because <laughs> this um, the last time I was I was temping at the time nine to five. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Calvin Klein Cosmetics. And I told them, um, I'd gotten to know the casting woman, at, and she was Carnegie as well. And she called me at home. She's like, please, come one more time. Please. Things have and shifted so what around. And num- so what number was this? Like how many auditions? This was my, it had to have been at least my fourth. Okay, so this is your fourth time fourth in front of me. my fourth time going okay. in for it. And um, and I was like, Ugh. I was like, Nancy, 
I'm working nine to five. I can't change. But I was like, I wasn't willing to to not lose a day of work to go in in the afternoon. I was like, I can't do that. Can they see me in the evening after my day? She's like, yes, come then. Okay. I was like, okay. All right. All right. So, you know, not a big chip on my shoulder, but I was like, you've seen what I do, you know? And so then I got there and they'd been dancing. Um, I think though, I think by this point they had stopped doing the dancing on skates. Oh, okay. At this, by this point. Um, and so they they were sweating, 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 cheering. And there's a bunch of them, you know. And so they gave me the skates and said, okay, why don't you go in the back and change and get yourself ready? And I did. And then they had me do my circles. Right, right. <laughs> and then they're like, well, you know, well, there, we got these people here. Why don't you come out? Now, hello, equity auditions. Would you ever get away with this? <laughs> but <laughs> so basically they had the dancers stop. And go behind the tables, behind everyone that what? was there. <laughs> they had me come out in front of everyone and do my audition and sing. But you know what? That's when you just kind of go, that's when the performer in you yeah, goes. It's like, all right, let's give them a show. It's, it's showtime. Yeah. Because it's funny. I You'll get more nervous sometimes with one or two people behind a table. But suddenly there was just that energy, that buzz. Because they had been working and they were... I kind of fed off of it mm-hmm. and loved it. And they started playing and I worked the house. <laughs> I was just in the work the room, shall we say. Yeah, and yeah. I had fun. I had fun. I still couldn't skate, but I, I sang my butt off <laughs> and I just didn't have a care in the world and just had fun. Mm-hmm. Just had fun. That was when I booked the gig. Yeah. Do, do, do you think that that, that that was really what made the difference? Was that you owned the part in a different way that you hadn't before? I think so. I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, I could sing it before. That I don't think that was a question. But, you know, I, that, was the, that was the moment where, as you said, this is the moment <laughs> where I just kind of let go. And said, let's go for it. Yeah. And and I did. I had a blast. Like it was a performance. And I, I wasn't so worried about the people I was, uh, that I was auditioning for. Right, right. The I actual say, people I know. The table. I was yeah. super me. I was working the room. It's <laughs> 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 just having fun. But that was the character for Papa's Blues. He, he has fun telling his story. Because he's an old man that tells his story. Same story every other day to his, to his right. boys. You know, to the Rockies and to Rusty. And I, I, yeah, I think that was probably a huge part of why that time they actually cast me and said, yeah. all right, teach this fool to skate. <laughs> <laughs> teach this child to skate and let's go and give him a chance. Who knew? Yes. What a blessing. Yeah. But that, that's my, my craziest audition story for sure. Well, we have come to the end of part one of my focus on auditions. Now, you'll find links to these guests and their episodes in the show notes and on the website, winmepodcast.com. There you can read the latest from the Winme blog, which is now a part of Medium. You'll also find a link to help support this weekly podcast through your generous donations. More importantly, if you enjoyed listening to these audition stories as much as I loved bringing them to you today then please share this podcast with those who you think would enjoy and benefit from these conversations. Again, a big thank you to each of my guests for sharing their personal tales of triumph and dismay, and also for you for joining me on this fun and insightful episode. Don't forget to subscribe and review 
on your favorite podcast app. I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones. Join me next week on Auditions Part 2 when I talk more with casting director John Ort. Until next time, keep making it, and I'll see you then. Hi, I'm Lothair Eden, and you're listening to Why I Couldn't Make It. I wouldn't make it. Hello. Why I'd never make it. <laughs> why? I'd, see, that's why. <laughs> this is why you'll never make it. This is why I'll never make it. Because I'm mixing up. Remember when we did the commercial and they gave me that line at the last minute? Right. right. I did all variations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The donut. The donut. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I made up some crazy shit. Yeah. Um, what is it again? Why I'll never make it. Why I'll never make it. Yeah. <laughs> It's so stupid. <laughs> Love it. Right. Okay. Try again. Take two. Hi, this is Lothair Eden, and you're listening to Why I'll Never Make It. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.